are in the mood for fantasy football. We are Pro Football Network. I'm your host, BJ Rudell. With me, as always, is Tommy Garrett. You can reach me on Twitter at BJ Rudell. And you can reach Tommy at Tommy Garrett PFN. And you can reach our fantasy football Twitter account at PFN Fantasy. Tommy, jumping right into this podcast. Injuries. Big one. Patrick Mahomes. Concussion. Knocked out. Interception for the uh, sixth straight game. He didn't have back-to-back interception games at all last season. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what's going on right now with the Chiefs and what we might expect from Mahomes, even though we don't know? I mean, he, he should be okay, I've heard, for next week. But what's the psyche, do you think, uh, of a fantasy manager right now who has Mahomes and is looking ahead to see, is Mahomes the guy the rest of the season? The upside of the Chiefs is undeniable, and that goes with all the players that are there. Like You would think that at some point they're going to figure this out. It's just shocking what's kind of going on this season. Now, granted, they kind of went through a gauntlet uh, this season. They went with the Browns when they were healthy. They went against the Ravens and the Chargers. End up having a game against the Bills, and you get the Tennessee Titans. Like All of those teams are playoff contending teams, and some of those are even borderline Super Bowl contending teams. Um, So it's not surprising they've struggled to a certain extent, but I think the way that they've gone about it is what's surprising because you see mistakes that we've never seen out of Patrick Mahomes. I think part of that is we're almost a little biased in what how we watch Patrick Mahomes because we just watch him waiting to be just in awe of what he doesn't feel because he does the unexpected and extraordinary things and makes those look common. Uh, so to watch him struggle on the field is a bit of a shock to the system to a certain extent. Um, like you said, when it comes to concussion, he tested negative. He, I mean, uh, not tested negative, but he passed concussion protocol immediately after, which shocked me because, I mean, he was literally carried off the field. I believe actually last year a similar thing happened where he was fairly clearly concussed, it looked like, and he immediately passed concussion protocol. He passed again after the game. So he'll be good to go for the team. It's But it's one of those ones where, like, this is too good of a team uh, for them to be playing the football the way they are, and especially for Patrick Mahomes, uh, you've got to expect the better days are ahead. There's no way you could ever sit here and say I'm I'm going to bench Patrick Mahomes. Um, I don't think there's anyone out there really outside of like you know your your Kyler Murray or Josh Allen, and I think it's a very short list of quarterbacks you would say have a higher ceiling potential every single week than Patrick Mahomes. It's you almost have to trust the process. Hope these guys get better, and they I think they have a bye week in yeah they have a bye week in week twelve. Uh, right. So it's not one of the things where they've got a a bye week coming up really soon and they can kind of work the ways out of it. They've got to work this out before the bye week um, because we don't want any read can do coming out of it, but they've got to figure this out on the fly. And it's, they got a game coming up this week against the giants before they take on the Packers. Uh, right. Hopefully this is almost a little bit of a get right game against the giants because the Kansas City Chiefs seem like, look, they're three time defending AFC champions. Like you've got to figure this out at some point. So I've got a theory and it's based on very little data, but Jared Goff okay. plays, plays Tom Brady. Right in in uh, Super Bowl was at fifty three, you know, early twenty nineteen. Jared mm-hmm. Goff was one of the uh, highest performing quarterbacks that year. Lost Cooper Cup mid season, but was still that offense was incredible. And Goff was shut down in that Super Bowl. He was never the same after that. Patrick Mahomes, high flying last year, one of the best seasons a quarterback can have. Um, previous season, one of the best seasons. You know, Patrick Mahomes, money struggles against Tom Brady and the Bucks this year, a different quarterback. Is there a chance that teams have had all season to figure out how to defend against quarterbacks who seem to be unstoppable the year before? 
I mean, it's the thing what happened with the Rams, we go back to it was the the defense, the scheme that Bill Belichick and the team figured out. You give Bill Belichick two weeks to work on you and figure out your your offense, he's gonna do it. And what happened after that was a lot of teams based it's a copycat league. They started copying what the the uh the Patriots ran that year against the uh, Rams Super Bowl. It's you get a, a similar effect. Like everyone is trying to be the Chiefs. Like every time you play the Chiefs, that is that team's Super Bowl for the week. It's like when you play Alabama or Georgia in college football. Like that is the biggest game on their schedule. Is you're trying to knock off the team that you're ex- eventually wanting to aspire to be. Um, so I think there is a little bit of the whole like teams do kind of figure it out to a certain extent, but you would think that talent would prevail to a certain extent over. Um, over the scheme. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is a guy who who defeats schemes because he does things that no one else can do. Um, but there there absolutely is something to, hey, look, these guys, you have coaches who are paid millions and millions of dollars to dissect and figure out a scheme to stop an offense. They're good at what they do. They, they have the job for a reason. I think that's part of what you're seeing is teams just, they find out a way to figure them out. And it's like, look, look at last week, like, they managed to beat them, the Tennessee Titans, without having to rely heavily on Derrick Henry. They just, by getting behind so quickly, you nullified what Patrick Mahomes could do. And you're, even if you're playing just backyard football, like backyard football can only get you back in a game so quickly without mistakes then compounding and making the issue even further. That's right. Um, uh, good call, Zach Wilson. Uh, out uh, two to four weeks, potentially. That was just released as we're... Uh, uh, doing this podcast uh, Monday morning. Uh, what does this do to the Jets' offense, if anything? Uh, uh, and do the Jets go out and try to find some quarterback to sign, or do they just let this season play out the way they've let most seasons play out, which is uh, sadly and painfully? I think it's probably going to be more of the latter. Um, I wonder how much they're regretting not having Joe Flacco on the team this year. Because uh, they would have had him as a backup option uh, coming into this year now with, with Zach Wilson her with his PCL injury, uh, according to uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter. Um, they got Mike White, who all of us were Googling at one point or another. I, I'm pretty sure that's the <laughs> that's the highest his name has ever been searched uh, for before. So uh, the offense itself has already been struggling. Zach Wilson has not been playing good football. So I can't even sit here and say that it's going to be uh, – necessarily a downgrade at the quarterback position like I feel like I kind of view them the way I viewed them before which is outside of Corey Davis at receiver I don't really want to touch anyone else because they're not even using Elijah Moore because you have Jameson Crowder taking the snap the slot snaps there's not enough volume necessarily going around to facilitate getting multiple receivers and you've got Michael Carter starting to play some decent football he's getting the majority of touches but he's still got guys like Ty Johnson behind him who can vulture carries inside the red zone like we just saw, and it's not a high enough volume offense or there's not a high enough scoring frequency to give those high leverage carries inside the red zone, the 10, and especially inside the five-yard line. So it's Michael Carter remains kind of in that RB3 kind of range. Corey Davis, if he gets the volume, can be a halfway decent low-end RB, low-end wide receiver three, high-end uh, wide receiver four, just based strictly on volume. And then everyone else, I kind of want nothing to do with. Like, to me, they yeah. kind of are who they are. Yeah. They are, they are. I was impressed that they let White throw deep yeah. uh, uh, in, in Patriots territory. I would have thought when he came in, I thought they were just going to play conservative, run the ball. They got to, what, the three-yard line of the Patriots, and he throws it. Uh, and, you got and, nothing to lose. I, yeah. At that point, it's, like, just go out swinging. Right. And I, I admired 
uh, that kind of you don't see a backup quarterback come in uh, with with no uh, you know to little experience like White and throw it in those high stakes situations. I'm, I'm sure they knew they were going to get crushed that game, but it was still impressive. And then those two interceptions came, I think, a few minutes apart. I mean, yeah. on the whole, sadly, White looked just as capable as yeah. Zach Wilson did. Yeah, I think part of that, like you're saying, the, the willingness to keep pressing the football, I think that kind of comes down to like to the Robert Sala approach, the change in the mentality and the change in the culture here. I think if you had Adam Gase, they would just tuck their tail and ran. But with, with Robert Sala, like you're still like, he even said like, we're going to get our butts kicked. We know it's going to happen from time to time. You almost need that. You almost need to have that happen. Yeah. And not to a, this kind of extent. But I think that's part of just the, the culture change. Like, look, even if we're getting blown in a game, we're not going to stop trying to do things on offense to try to pull ourselves back. Even if it's to close the margins, by six points like we're still going to go out there and play and you, you yeah. know you got you almost have to respect that especially have a first year coach uh and uh i was one of those people you referenced who uh, had to google mike white and uh i remembered oh, I uh, the writer mike white who wrote uh uh school of rock great film from 18 years ago and wrote some episodes of freaks and geeks so all you people out there who uh, are as old as i am uh who remember uh, that movie and that show uh, and saw it actually in the theater and on television as it came out instead of on some, uh, uh, you know, uh, Wait, was that the, I'm just a bill on Capitol Hill. Was that that school of rock? No, Tommy, we'll talk about it after the show. I'll, uh, okay. I'll send you some clips. Um, I probably just date myself. Or feel free to tweet at Tommy. If, uh, if anyone wants to send some clips from school of rock, one of the most underrated films from the first half of the first decade of this century. Anyway, Running backs, injuries, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders. Uh, Jacobs uh, surprised me with a touchdown. I've been saying for weeks that he's been overvalued uh, and he scores a touchdown, but then he gets hurt. The question is, does does this create an opening for Kenyon Drake potentially to get even more work? And also with Miles Sanders, if the injury is serious, is Kenneth Gainwell uh, and Boston Scott, are they enough to carry the load in this running back tandem and is Gainwell the obvious pickup or is there something we're not thinking about? Do you want to comment on Jacobs and Sanders? Yeah. Um, in terms of Jacobs, like he's been surprisingly okay, um, which is, I think it's a weird, a weird way to put it. But I mean, outside of his, he played the first game, missed two weeks, came back. Like outside of that week four game when he came back, he's been an RB2 or better in every single one of his games with three of his games, with two of his games, I'm sorry, finishing as a top 14 running back, including last week in PPR scoring. Um, and a lot of that came down to, like I said, he scored that that touchdown. He's actually scored touchdowns in in three straight games, which has really helped his uh, his weekly output. Um, the Raiders do have a bye week this week, so it's something we're not going to have to worry about too much. Uh, even if he does, let's say he does miss the game when he comes back in week uh, nine, they play the Giants. Are we sure it's going to be Kenyon Drake? Because we just went through this earlier in the season, and it was Peyton Barber that got all the run. Now, granted, this is a different coaching staff, so we have to wonder how they're going to handle things. Um, because in this game, Peyton Barber was a healthy scratch. So right. you saw Kenyon Drake get the run because they did not have necessarily another option. If you have both those guys healthy, I'd be much more curious to see how they would have handled that situation. Um, we'll see what Rich Bisaccia does, whether he goes with a more Kenyon Drake role, because Drake has been getting some more work just over the past two games in general. Uh, not just with this one with uh, Josh Jacobs out. So I think it'll be an interesting thing moving forward. I kind of just hope that Josh Jacobs comes back. We don't have to deal with it. Um, just give me a, give me a few, a few options, less few headaches. Uh, in terms of Philadelphia, 
Miles Sanders has already been a guy who I haven't been wanting to start anyway in fantasy because Nick Sarani refuses to run the ball, and I don't get it because half their best drives have came when Miles Sanders has been used in on the ground. Um, that's why we've seen Kenneth Gainwell being as productive as he has because at least he's getting the receiving volume. Uh, assuming that Miles Sanders is going to miss some time, um, I would actually go out there and probably pick up Kenneth Gainwell, even if it's not just for the rushing upside of him, for his continued work in the passing game. Uh, if you're in a PPR format, those I think we all kind of know those touches uh, from for a receiving back, how how valuable those are over just strict carries. And it's a team like look, we're not expecting a lot of high rushing volume, but if he gets if he gets an upgrade to let's call it you know eight carries a game, but he's still getting you know like six targets, something like that a game, four to six targets. I mean that's that's a valuable commodity in fantasy football, um, especially in in the middle of bye weeks right now. Like granted, this week is a little better, and it's not as as bad as last week was, especially. But it's it's a guy who I'd go out there and roster if he's even still out there because he's probably a guy who should have been on majority of teams by this point. Yeah, I'm in a 14 team league, and somebody dropped him because of bye week headaches uh, on oh, Friday, wow. and I picked him they up. Couldn't on- find anyone else. I guess not. I mean, you know, it's, uh, uh, I mean, Gainwell had been phased out a little bit the previous two weeks, so I could understand it, but I picked him up for two bucks. I I did the, the, uh, the Tommy uh, special, uh, which is this late in the season. Why spend a dollar in fat, spend a little more. If you want somebody spend the money. So I spent two bucks, uh, and got him. I know other people bid one because I heard from them. Uh, and, uh, so I was able to plug in Gainwell, got nine points or whatever it was, but he had eight targets. I mean, he and, he and Boston Scott split touches. I think it was 13, 12, but Gainwell got eight targets and we did fumble the ball. So there's that concern of, okay, does that hurt him if, if Sanders is out, but at the same time, Boston Scott's not the answer in Philadelphia. They've invested in Gainwell, you know, I'm sure that they're not going to pull the plug after one fumble. So the idea is Gainwell becomes this very sneaky, you know, RB2, RB3 um, option for those who are desperate for a running back. Um, shifting to receiver, a couple other injuries, Darren Waller, and this went way over uh, over my head. Like I'm, 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 I'm slacking with Tommy late last night, and I'm, I'm like, here's a list of injured players. He's like, yeah, you forgot Darren Waller, and he said it very nicely. But, you know, the point is, like, of course, Darren Waller, huge yeah. news. Uh, you know, he was questionable. Uh, he, it was it was a late questionable tag, I think it was, and then suddenly he's inactive. And Foster Moreau, who three preseasons ago I was like, everyone needs to invest in Foster Moreau, and I completely ignored Darren Waller. And well, now we get Moreau, who's finally yeah. got a shot to show his talent. Um, and then we can talk about Johnny Johnny Smith, but but the big thing here is Darren Waller. If he's out for a Waller for a for a Waller for a while, for a oh, that's, that's going to be a thing now. I'll, I'll trademark that out for a Waller. So uh, uh, is Foster Moreau someone who people need to think about on the waiver wire? Uh, I mean, it, it depends on what's going to happen. With we would have to get some and, and some more input and some more information on Darren Waller's injury. Uh, it was a late addition, like we said on Friday. He basically strained the inner part of his ankle and his heel. Uh, basically, got tripped by a teammate during practice, which, which how this happens is just beyond yeah, me. There's a story there. Yeah, just just put a bubble around Darren Waller. You can't afford to let him get hurt. Um, but yeah, it's. I hope we get some more information. We we just kind of find out like, hey, he just uses next week off uh, to kind of just get healthy and come back because. 
granted, Foss Moreau had a good game. Um, but I think my wonder if part of that was just because like the Eagles didn't really have a plan to deal with him. He just wasn't necessarily like he just wasn't like their main focus. Like everyone focuses right. on Darren Waller. You take right. him out of the out of the game, and then all of a sudden the focus goes back to guys like you know like Henry Ruggs um, and uh, uh, Brian Edwards. Crow and yeah, it's it, th- at that point the tight end is just no longer an an issue. Um, right. I don't necessarily think Foss Moreau would be like a, a weekly must start. Uh, they come back in week nine, like I said, against the Giants. And you get Kansas City, who I think would be an interesting game because Kansas City is one of the top five teams in fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Uh, so hopefully that's Waller coming back for that one because that would be an absolute smash play. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's kind of one of those, like, I would not necessarily – I'm not high on going out and getting Foss Moreau. Granted, he got, you know, six for 60 in the touchdown, but I have no idea at this point. Isn't that sustainable? Yeah. It, it could be one of those things where it's everyone's running for points because it's yeah. bye week and the, you know they've got Kittle out or whatever the issue is, and they're going, here's the shiny new toy. I'm going to go get him. And the reality is if Waller comes out, it's, it comes back, it's moot. If Waller doesn't come back, you're still taking a chance. Let's face it. Yeah. Uh, Moreau was a fourth-round pick, uh, which is uh, a decent investment to make in a tight end, especially a decent investment to make in a tight end who um, hasn't done much of anything uh, during right. his several years in the league. Um, but the fact is he's probably one of the better backup tight ends out there as we saw yesterday. So keep him maybe in the back of your mind, depending on what happens with Waller after this bye week like Tommy said, that's a long time to wait. You don't want to uh, burn a roster spot, a bench spot on a, backup tight end for two weeks um shifting gears uh let's go to uh, just some uh, uh, three guys who are top of mind for me one of them is marlon mack uh trade deadlines coming up in about a week for the mm-hmm. nfl not for fantasy don't worry most of you have more time than that but in the nfl in about a week uh colts have been shopping marlon mack we're seeing running backs go down left and right what do you think is there some spot that mack could end up in where you go, oh, now Mac is suddenly a must-start running back. Oh, wow. I mean, must-start running backs. That's- Maybe I'll scale it back. No, no, Maybe no, no, you're good, you're good. Because okay. it's one of those where it's – because you just assume it as a flex. Even a flex would be a must-start. Yes, absolutely. Um, 12 points, 12 points PPR. The, the- I mean, my God, do we throw them out to the Ravens because they have every other running back? I mean, they're playing hungry, hungry hippos, gobbling up every <laughs> running back that hits the free agent market. <laughs> Um, that would be a team to consider, um, Kansas city potentially yeah. because yeah. you're dealing with the Clyde Edwards, a layer injury. Yeah. Um, I don't think got... Daryl Williams is the answer by the way. I mean, he's great near the end zone. Yeah. Uh, he can catch the ball. He's not a very, he, he's, he is, uh, he had a deceptively good game in week six yeah. and in week seven, he was kind of exposed for what he is, which is he, he's a, he's a backup running back. Who's helping to mentor a young running back. And that's they 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 could use Mac. I think I think you're right on that. What about I, I would also? What about oh, like ahead. the Chargers or Washington? Because the Chargers don't necessarily have another solid backup plan with Austin Eckler because they kind of do a rotation with like with Kelly and Jackson and Roundtree. Right. So I can see him getting some work in there. It's also a very high powered offense. And then with Washington, you've got them dealing with the whole Antonio Gibson situation. Yeah. Um. And I, I thought it was a very interesting point that Stefania Bell during the uh, uh, was on Fancy Football Now in the the pregame shows leading up, and she, like she was talking about, not only is the 
the num the head trainer, but the number two is out also for Washington. And so you've lost so much. Um, it's like it just experience in the medical staff. And when we think back to it, like go back to like 2018, 2019 when Trent Williams, when he was holding out because of medical issues right. with the team itself, just the organization, right. how they're handling issues. Then we look right. okay, Curtis Samuel, we got Antonio Gibson. You throw in um, Ryan, Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like you've got all these other injuries to guys where it's kind of like, okay, what the heck's actually going on? Then we got Antonio Gibson here. So you it, you wonder what's going on, but I mean, that could be another situation where, hey, look, if Antonio Gibson ends up getting shut down, because to me, it's starting to really start to feel like uh, Joe Mixon of last year, hmm. where he probably should have been shut down. They didn't do it. And then they kind of like de facto shut him down by right. just either limiting his snaps or just making him like healthy scratches or just they right. would suit him up and didn't play him. So like Antonio Gibson is really starting to give me that same vibe of Joe Mixon of last year. I, I, uh, I'm with you. I, uh, uh, we wrote a piece uh, for those of you who uh, want to sign up for the newsletter PFN. We have a newsletter that comes out on fantasy Sundays and Tuesdays, the featured player on Sunday morning that everyone got um, was Antonio Gibson. And what do you do with Gibson? And heading into tonight's game, today's game, which was yesterday, uh, let's set expectations. And let's set expectations for the rest of the season. Uh, Washington is going nowhere as a franchise this year. For Gibson, it's a pain tolerance issue, which is code for it's painful, uh, but he's playing. So at what point is it just clear that this is not the direction that Washington wants to take with a second-year player who's a cornerstone yeah. asset for the next two to three years on their team. Like if um, it was me and if I had Antonio Gibson on my roster, I'm shipping him off. Like yeah. I'm doing whatever I can to trade off Antonio Gibson. I think so you've do just, it before the trade deadline at this yeah. point, like I just, we don't even have a defense right now in Washington that's keeping them in games and their that's schedule right. is about to get even worse. They that's play right. Denver and then they have a bye, which is fine. But then you get Tampa Bay, you've got a game against Seattle, which they probably will have Russell Wilson back for that. And you got the Cowboys coming up. So we have two games against the Cowboys. Yeah. Raiders are playing decent football. So it's right. games where they're able to only score like, you know, like 20 some odd points and say in them, like that's kind of going to the wayside. Like if their defense can't keep them in games, then the run game all of a sudden is neutralized. And as for as good of a receiving back as Antonio Gibson is like, he was probably the best receiving back of his class that even had Deandre Swift in it. Like he played wide receiver at Memphis. Like that's kind of what he did. Um, it's why he's kind of always kind of still learning the game. And so for as raw as he is, like there was a reason he was drawing comparisons to David Johnson when he was coming at and it's coming into the draft. Um, he's a very special and talented running back, but if you also have JD McKissick, then he's not going to be getting that receiving down work. Yeah. Um, so right. yeah, for me, it's between the injuries and usage and the way this team is going, like I would be trying to ship off uh, Antonio Gibson to someone who still believes him as a high end RB two. Very good. I'm, I'm with you. And for those who got the newsletter Sunday morning, that was the basic sentiment was, was uh, this is, this is not a guy you want to invest in long-term for this year. Dynasty. Yep. Yes. Long-term for this absolutely. year. Uh, not so much. I have a, um, uh, a, a pick for Marlon Max destination. I think because he's a rental, I think his contract ends this year. Mm-hmm. I think it has to be a team that is looking to, to get over the hump and get to the postseason, or looking to bolster their postseason uh, offensive weaponry. Yeah. I'm looking at the Saints. I'm looking at Alvin yeah. Kamara, who I looked at, Murray. Uh, yeah, I looked it up this morning. Kamara is uh, 0.5 yards 
uh, on average less than last year in yards before contact and 0.5 yards less in yards after contact compared to last mm -hmm. year. He's only averaging 3.9 yards a carry. His career average heading into the season was five. He's getting six more rushing attempts this year than, than he has in his career, but he's doing less with them because defenses are stacking up on him. I mean, this I is. I was literally about to look up. Okay, what's the stacked box rate for Kamara yeah. right now? Well, and I don't even have that. And if you if you can find that, that's fantastic. The um, uh, having Marlon Mack having a legitimate number two. To no offense to Tony Jones, who's hurt. No offense to this cat, who probably could compete on the Saints right now as a backup with Dwayne Washington. But I think Marlon Mack gives the Saints that extra player so that Kamara doesn't have to get 24 touches a game. You yeah, keep so Kamara, Kamara you know, 20. Kamara right now is facing a stacked box. So that's eight plus defenders in the box for those who are unfamiliar with that stat at 26.6% of his carries. Uh, if we go back last year, it was actually a Tavis Murray who led the team at 36.3. Um, see Kamara last year faces stacks box on 11, 11.7% uh, of his carry. So he's up nearly 15% in terms of times wow. he's facing defenders with eight or more in the box. So you think about it, you know, last year, Kamara for every nine times he's running with the ball once he's getting a stacked box this yep. time for every nine uh, times it's two and a half roughly that he's facing the stack box. That is a significant, and if you're talking about 18 rushes That's a game, increase. that means instead of twice, he's facing it five times. That's the impact that's happening right now with with his production. And so, and this is not going to change, right? I mean, if Michael Thomas comes back, maybe he stretches the field, maybe Jameis Winston can't stretch the field because that's not the way Michael Thomas is utilized as a receiver. Mm -hmm. This could be a case where it happens all year. At yep. least Marlon Mack gives some extra heft to a backfield that right now it's it's Camara or bust. Uh, and I think that's a lot of pressure to put on him. One more quick one. Uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey. What uh, this? Let's give some some tough love to those managers out there who have waited patiently for Christian McCaffrey to return. That's it, me. Uh, I'm one of them. You're one of them. So so give yourself some tough love, Tommy. And and do you hold on to McCaffrey if you're three and th if you're four and three or three and four right now? Do you just say, well, I've held on to him this long, or if you can get you know. A, a late first round value for McCaffrey, do you just cut him loose and say, uh, I'm not going to deal with this? It all depends on what you can get in return. I mean, every league is different. Um, if you can, if I can go out somehow and get like, you know, a, a Jonathan Taylor plus, then all right, no, no. I'm in. That, but, yeah. I mean, I'm in, but, but I'm sure. saying that's the thing. It's like, there is someone out there who is always going to overpay or someone who will always underpay. Like the value of a player you don't set the value of a player. The value of a player is set by the league mates and what they're willing to give you for that asset. Yeah. And so, like, no matter what you think of a player, if no one else is going to match that offer, then you're not getting it, plain and simple. Because yeah. um, even if we look at McCaffrey, like, once he comes back, is he going to be getting the 30 touches right. or 30 opportunities he was getting prior to? Because we've now gone two years where the Carolina Panthers have gotten production out of a backup running back. They did it with Mike Davis last year, and now I got it with Chuba Hubbard this year. Now, granted, there's a stark difference in Christian McCaffrey and Chuba Hubbard. 
Um, and I think right now, like that shine of uh, Sam Darnold's armor is starting to tarnish. Um, and if you brought in Christian McCaffrey, probably ends up starting to play better because like he kind of rises the tides. Um, so yeah. if you give McCaffrey back, you're getting back an RB1. Um, but is it going to be the RB1? That right. I don't know. I hope so. Dear God, I hope so because I'm I am struggling to stay above water uh, in teams that have him because that's the first round pick that's gone. Right. And your first round picks do so much in terms of your weekly upside. So you can only do so much to to balance out the rest of your roster. But I mean, if you can get if you can trade off Chris McCaffrey and get back two high quality assets that can give you a little more depth to give you a push towards the playoffs. I can't say no. It all depends on what you've got and what the rest of your team looks like. It's trades are very much league and team dependent for me. Yeah. I I would go, I would trade McCaffrey. If I had him, I would, I would take an, a slightly underperforming receiver like Keenan Allen who can, who can hit okay. the top 12 if things break right. Plus, you know, a top 12 to 14 running back. I think yeah. I would take that. Um, yeah. Especially if I had a hole in my receiving uh, situation, I'm very concerned about, uh, a Carolina team that is clearly a step above the Jets, but mm-hmm. clearly a step below a playoff caliber team. Um, and I don't think McCaffrey solves the problem. Their final four games are against, I can't remember the fourth one, but it's against the Bills, twice against the Bucks, and somebody else that you don't want to play. Uh, they so, have a bye week in week 13. So assuming your playoffs start probably week 14. Yeah, uh, it goes Falcons, Bills, Buccaneers, Saints, and then ends up with the Buccaneers again. Right on. Ouch. So you're talking about a Panthers team that needed to go probably six and three um, to start the year, let's say, to to have a shot at making the postseason, assuming they lose three out of four to the Saints, Bills, and twice the Bucks. And that maybe that's being generous, maybe that's not. But you know, if you're ten and seven, is that good enough? Yeah, I mean, they've got matchups coming up with the Falcons, Patriots, Cardinals, Washington, and then Miami. Going yeah, that so they, they should win three out of five, maybe four out of five if things break right, and they're still in trouble. So if the Panthers are mathematically eliminated, do they just do they just take it easy on McCaffrey because what's the point? Absolutely, absolutely. And do you want to be stuck with him in the semifinals of your fantasy league? So that's all I'm saying is that McCaffrey, I am, if I have McCaffrey right now, if I'm Tommy and I'm giving, or if I'm me and I'm giving Tommy some tough love, I would say cash out. You lose in the short term, but you're playing for the playoffs and you're trying to get a couple of assets that are going to be better positioned for the fantasy playoffs. So I will take the last word there because I usually let let Tommy have the last word because he deserves it. But I think I'll take this one because Tommy is smiling and that means he's done. Um, I am again, BJ Rudell. This is Tommy Garrett. Uh, we're Pro Football Network. Find us on profootballnetwork.com on the fantasy page. Look through all the stuff. Sign up for the newsletter if you want customized content. Our job is just to give you as much content as you all can handle on different segments of players, of strategy, so that you pick and choose the things that you care about and, uh, and we try to keep feeding it to you. So we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us.